The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week 17 edition of A Good Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined today by Mr. Denny Carter. We will take a spin through the week's biggest news stories, including Jimmy Garoppolo's injury, James Robinson's injury, and, of course, Miles Sanders' injury. A lot of injuries this week. We're not even going to talk about Clyde Edwards-Elair's injury, Denny. Maybe we should have, but we're not going to. Maybe. Maybe. Um, it's hard to say. Yeah. Or maybe we'll throw it in at the end of there. We will then welcome in... NBC Sports Edge's Corey Parson. He's one of our senior content creators on the betting side. You're going to talk some late season betting topics. But first, Denny, we conquered Christmas. We did. We were nice little capitalists. We got everyone all their gifts. Uh, everyone's all happy. I got my gifts, except for I had a snafu with my mom, by the way. She got gifts off my list from last year. My mom oh. still makes me send her a list. Oh, boy. And she somehow got confused in her email and reordered some things she had already gotten me last year. That, that's the um, most baby boomer thing I've ever It was. And, of course, she was mortified, and I felt really bad. And I thought about not even mentioning it. But I was like, you know, I kind of want these books, actually, that uh, <laughs> she was supposed to get me. Oh, so, it's, uh, so it wasn't – you didn't get it for a second time. No, 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 I did. She got me books that she got me last oh. year. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and I already read. I had already read all three of them. Oh, <laughs> and, boy. Oh, well, I, nice. Yeah. Uh, nice brag, by the way. You read books. I, I know. Yeah, I know how to read. I, I read at a fourth grade level. I've been literate since 2016, <laughs> trying to get a little better each year. And uh, yeah, but we're not here to talk about Christmas. We're not here to talk about the past. We're here to talk about New Year's Eve. Well, we might talk about the past because we were talking about before the yeah. show the way we used to celebrate New Year's Eve versus the way we celebrate New Year's yeah. Eve now, which uh, I've now gone several New Year's Eves in a row where I, I think I've not even had a single beer. Um, what about yourself? Wow. Wow. That is, uh, that, <laughs> no, I, I mean, comparatively, I, I guess I, I'm at, I've been to Ragers uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know, compared oh, yeah. to you, uh, you know, three hard seltzers, I would say, uh, <laughs> you know, during, during the night, over the course of six hours, uh, of course. I, I'm always the only one up at midnight uh, in, in, in my house. Um, uh, my wife is asleep. Uh, the kids are long past asleep. I, I will say there was a, a disastrous New Year situation, I want to say three years ago, uh, where we had a party at our house. And we were thinking everyone was going to go home at like, what, like nine o'clock, something like that. Because it, it, was, well, it was kids and, and family. And oh, stuff, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. And it was just like a pure like family kid thing. And, but but they stayed and it got to 10 and it got to 11 and then they were like okay well we'll just stay till midnight so my kids who were like uh six and three at the oh, time no. yeah. stayed up well past midnight so we're talking at that time we're talking five plus hours after their regular bedtime 
let me tell you that the next day was the single most difficult day as a parent I've, I've had. This will never happen again. I thought you were going to say for the, like the next month. Um, oh, well, yeah, no, it, took, it does. That kind of sleep loss, it takes days uh, to recover from. And, and uh, yeah, so it was, it was difficult. I, I, I won't, if my, when my kids are 21 years old, I'm going to call them and say, you better go to bed. I, I do not want you, I don't want, I, I don't want you cranky tomorrow. That's funny. That reminds me of some childhood memories of mine, which is that every year my parents would take me to their friend group's new year's party and they would all get very, very drunk just very drunk. You know, we're like seven, eight, nine and everyone else's kids are there. And, you know, we don't really know yeah. what's going on with all the mommies and daddies, but we're having like the time of our life. Sure. And, but you know, it should inappropriate memory to probably share in public, you know, like taking like a cab home. Hey, that's responsible. That's more than I can say about the, the parties, the similar yeah. parties that I went to. We were not cabin at home. Yeah, <laughs> was, yeah. Growing up, yeah, I witnessed uh, some pretty irresponsible behaviors from people in my parents' peer group. Yeah, I'll say. I, uh, I, don't, I don't really understand how our parents' generation did that because no. personally, I cannot function. I can't be like a parent the day after drinking that you know uh and, and so that doesn't that doesn't happen but they they somehow did it and i i kind of respect them for it yeah we're a much softer generation you know, now we oh, have yeah. two or three beers and yeah the next day i'm just like if one of you kids looks at me well um, we, right right we're, we're so soft that we talk about hydration yeah i know <laughs> you know 50 percent of my thought process is about properly hydrating while i'm consuming alcohol our parents generation never thought of the word hydration for for their whole yeah, life, yeah, not even involved. I've never once sober or not. I've never once seen my dad drink a glass of water. Me, this me is not neither. Something you do. Me, how are they alive? My question is, how are baby boomers alive? No baby boomer has ever drank water. No, my dad's dad lived to be ninety four, and not even exaggerating. I never once saw him drink water. <laughs> like, I mean, it's not something. It's just not something you do. It's not something you you did back then. Right. I you know the the masculine ideal is not drinking water. Yeah, you just don't you don't drink water. That's the soft and yeah, I mean he lived in ninety-four. So. Uh, you can't hey, you can't argue with the results. Yeah, you know? there's something to it, I think. Forget and, forget about the process. You every time you want water, you have a little bit of whiskey instead. Exactly. My big problem with New Year's now, by the way, is that for one, I stay up after midnight every night, which is bad because I have three kids and it's becoming increasingly untenable. Yeah, I mean, put it that way. <laughs> I mean, it is becoming increasingly untenable. I don't know when when my kids were were little. I mean, how old is your is your uh, youngest? They are now? they are five, three, and one. And yeah. one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. When when my kids were one, I couldn't help but go to sleep at like ten o'clock every night. Like I would pass out. Yeah, I know so. we've got like a like a relay system kind of with my wife. You know, my wife is a little more of a morning person than I oh, okay. am as well. Okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, just it's just pretty untenable at this point. <laughs> we got like storming's into the room of oh. daddy's trying to sleep late. Uh, just yeah, I'm I'm trying. To, I think I need to make an adjustment here in the off season. You you must adjust. But yeah, also I've adjusted this year. I'm drinking on New Year's Day night and not New Year's Eve night for a friend's uh, birthday party. Oh, okay, um, okay. Yeah, so, yeah uh, I mean, adapt or die. Personally, I can't do two in a row, two days in a row of of any sort of alcohol consumption. Well, I told so. you, I probably won't even drink on New Year's Eve. It's this kind of thing. Like, I'll just, my family will all go to sleep at ten thirty, and I'll stay up and just yeah. do God knows what and not drink. Re and then, but, real. Real quick before we get to the topics, I just want to touch on what I used to do, which was to pay an exorbitant amount of money to go down to D.C. to stand in a very crowded uh, club or restaurant 
and, and pay for drinks that were marked up six times their normal price uh, until midnight. And then I would take an Uber home for $250. Yes, exactly. And like uh, marked up six times the normal price in DC, like normal DC prices are marked yeah. up six times of St. Louis prices. I've actually drank in DC a fair amount of times. And that's why I'm currently in chapter 11 bankruptcy. Um, <laughs> I, I am too. After the last time we were in DC, I paid $48 for a martini yeah. for my wife. No, it's uh, shockingly expensive. It makes New York appear cheap. DC drink prices, I will man, say. Man. But uh, okay, better uh, talk football. Yes, yes. Let's uh, week 17. It's the football show. Danny, Jimmy Garoppolo was one of the roughest watches of week 16. But by all accounts, Trey Lance has been an even rougher watch in 49ers practice this year. They talk about him as someone who's a year away, basically just not ready to be a starting NFL quarterback. But with Jimmy Garoppolo doubtful for this week and beyond with a serious thumb injury, we're going to get Trey Lance. What does this mean for fantasy? Does this doom the 49ers playoff chances? 538 currently gives them 75% odds of at least making the postseason but with no Jimmy Garoppolo, can they even make a run? Just where does this leave the 49ers base? I guess we can focus on the Week 17 fantasy yeah. angle with Jimmy Garoppolo seemingly being sw- swapped out for Trey Lance this week. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's yet to be, like, c- confirmed, like you just hinted and They're, they're not going to confirm it. It's the 49ers. He's going to act, like, till like, Saturday evening. Like, well, I mean, his thumb is not currently attached, <laughs> but he's still – tomorrow's a new day. But we're we're hoping to get some thread uh, yeah. to get that, that <laughs> tomorrow's that, a new day to get that sucker on. Uh, yeah, well, it, it's you know it's curious that you mentioned Trey Lance's practice performance because I did a blurb this morning where Mike where Mike Shanahan Kyle Shanahan uh, <laughs> said that uh, you know that Trey Lance is, has done quite well in, in, in practice over recent weeks. I think that I, means I, Jimmy Garoppolo is not playing again this year. <laughs> That's right, what that quote right. means. Uh, you know, for fantasy. Uh, first of all, I mean, just from the quarterback spot, I, I love, I mean, what's not to love about Trey Lance against Houston, you know, Houston's terrible rush defense, you know, yes, they've shown signs of life. Yes. The Houston offense has, has produced some points, some yards in recent weeks, which is actually good, honestly, for fantasy because it keeps the other team pushing to score points and we know, but uh, yeah, uh, Trey Lance in an amazing, incredible spot. As far as the passing goes, like the the Brandon Ayuk resurgence, the George Kittle domination, that probably all goes out the door right now with with Lance under center. It does, but I was thinking about Trey Lance. You know, compared to like Ian Book last night on Monday night, and Trey Lance had a few bookish moments as a passer in his one start against the Cardinals. He was fifteen of twenty nine. He got hit. A bunch of times, but two key differences. Sean Payton, it was a good offensive mind. Kyle Shanahan, annoying as he is, is probably still a better offensive mind than Sean Payton. And or is Ian Book just like thrown to the wolves? Yeah. Uh, Trey Lance has a trio of elite weapons and George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and Brandon Ayuk. So there will, if he can get the ball out, if he can actually complete some passes, like stuff might actually happen. Or when Ian Book's like completing passes, yes, you know, you know, not to even compare Trey Lance and Ian Book. But I was thinking about like rookies thrown into the fire. Yeah, and it was nothing like Ian Book for Trey Lance's first start. Even though he was very inaccurate, he was missing high. He was still like creating dangerous moments for the defense with 16 carries for 89 yards. Yeah, and we know that's going to be the game plan here. And for a guy who already turned his number one wide receiver into a running back and Kyle Shanahan, we know it's going to be run based. And yeah, yeah, I mean, 
Are we starting Trey Lance? Say Taysom Hill comes back from COVID-19 this, this week. Are we going to start Trey Lance over Taysom Hill, Denny? Uh, that's a, that's a tough one. I, I do want to mention about that week, week five start that Trey Lance had, he was, uh, one inch away from a, from a rushing touchdown, which would have made his numbers look a lot better. So it was the most incredible defensive stop of the season, by the way, that on, on that, on that rush at the uh, goal line. Uh, so 89 yards could have been, could have been one inch from a touchdown. Uh, so, uh, yes, I would, I would start Trey Lance in this matchup again, um, against Houston over Taysom. Yeah, I think I would start. Taysom's got the Panthers. You know, he's coming off COVID, no weapons whatsoever. Like Alvin Kamara just like appeared really bummed out last night for obvious reasons. Yeah. Like the Saints just look like a team who are out of gas, understandably so. It's just a really, really tough season. They seem totally out of steam. The Niners still have everything to play for. It's a much, much softer opponent. And it might not feel great. But I think, yeah, Trey Lance, he's going to be a QB1 this week. And I think I would rank him ahead of, of Taysom. Would we rank him ahead of Lamar Jackson, by the way, if Lamar Jackson's back? That's a uh, good question. I I, I mean, I, I seriously doubt Lamar is, go, is going to be anything close to 100% with that with that ankle sprain. Um, you know, still hasn't practiced. Like, he, he wasn't close uh, last no. week. So if if he can get back for this week, I would I would guess that they're really pushing it um, probably to a dangerous extent. And so I, I would probably feel more comfortable with Trey Lance. And, and by the way, I just wanted to mention this, the, uh, the Debo situation here. I, I, I still feel like Debo, uh, would be a, a fantastic play against Houston because I th- think, you know, his role is, is not as sensitive to a quarterback change as, uh, you know, Brandon Ayuk, for instance. And I, I think, Fantasy managers know that. No, and it's kind of like Cordero Patterson. Or last week they did give Jeff Wilson like the true one yard goal line carries, but Debo is kind of like Cordero in the red zone, where like he's going to get the high value touches. Yeah. Like at least until they get like to the actual one or two yard line, they're giving the ball to Debo Samuel. You know, now they have a true dual threat quarterback too, and Trey Lance. Or you know, they do like a zone read, a read option, like that. This is all the better for Debo Samuel because they actually have to account for the quarterback. So. I agree that it doesn't really affect Debo. And I think I'm starting Trey Lance over Lamar if he comes back. Lamar, it would be against the Rams. Lamar was struggling even before the injury. The, the Ravens, another team too, just completely out of gas. Um, Lamar, of course, if Lamar comes back, we know QB1 overall is within his range of outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, I think playing the percentages, Trey Lance would be the percentage play over Lamar Jackson's. It's a long week, though. By Friday, you could ask me that. I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. that was wrong. That True. was uh, I had brain fog when oh, I said that. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so yeah, it's interesting situation. The 49ers quarterbacks Rashad Penny, Denny, Rashad Penny, Denny. Yeah. Has the second best game of his career against the bears on Sunday, two weeks after having the best game of his career, he has suddenly become one of the league's most explosive big playbacks. He's gaining a humongous percentage of his yardage on carries of 20 plus yards, which feels unsustainable sometimes, but that was Rashad Penny's pre-draft yeah. pedigree. He, this is what he's supposed to do. He just didn't do it for three years because he was always hurt. But he's actually doing it now. It might actually be sustainable. He's facing a Lions defense, allowing the seventh most running back fantasy points this week. Is Rashad Penny, Denny? I, it's Rashad Penny, Denny, <laughs> a must start for the fantasy finals. Yes, I mean with the state of the running back position, like. Why, why, why wouldn't you, you know, unless you're in like an eight team league, then, then he's probably like a borderline play, but like, you know, 12 team league, 
a 12 team league, you are thrilled to have a guy like Rashad Penny, you know, because he, it probably means, honestly, it probably means that, you know, you were looking ahead, picking up guys who might fall into some backfield volume. You were probably set at wide receiver and, and some other positions. So you probably have a really strong team, honestly, if you're starting Rashad Penny, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's proven now that, you know, he's, he's the guy he's somewhat immune to game script, which is, extremely nice and something you can't say about a whole lot of running backs. Would you start Rashad Penny versus the Detroit Lions over Javante Williams against the Los Angeles Chargers, didn't you? Yes. Wow. I, yeah. I would would you? I don't I don't have them ranked that way right now, but the very initial rankings and I'm looking at the rankings, yeah, wishing I could already get Rashad Penny higher. And that's just something that yeah, I don't know, but that's within play would you start Rashad Penny over this is probably an easy one over Devin Singletary against the Falcons? I feel like that's harder because uh you they're, know, they're committed now. They're running yeah, now. I mean, it's a one man backfield now. And and the Bills. Falcons. God, the Falcons are in for such a drubbing. Oh <laughs> I, I, I just bad. I no, they don't match up against the Bills well in any regard. Like they like there's uh they they have no pass rush. They have very little run defense. Uh, the, the the Bills, you know, if if they're able to keep their foot on the gas, could put up 50 here. So that's why I, I struggle a little bit. But I guess Penny, yeah. And final one here. Rashad Penny against the Detroit Lions or Jeff Wilson against the Houston Texans if Elijah Mitchell does not play. Right. I, I'd actually go with Wilson. I think I'd go with Wilson, too. I have Wilson ranked higher. And this, the fact that it's going to be such a run-heavy environment for the 49ers, I mean, it's already a run-heavy environment for the 49ers, but we know that it's going to be like maybe the most run-heavy environment in the entire league yes. this weekend, the San Francisco 49ers' offense. So I do think I will keep Jeff Wilson yeah. ahead of Rashad Penny. I wanted to mention real quick about the Niners. Uh, I keep going back to them. Uh, uh, but uh, the, the Niners, when they have a lead this season, have a pass rate of 41%. That's the third <laughs> – lowest in, in the nfl how so is they, there a lower than that yeah oh yeah uh the the lo- the lower teams are are jacksonville and the eagles oh my gosh the eagles at least it's working for the eagles and the jaguars man i mean maybe rip that approach up well they try something else they 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 have uh led for approximately four minutes this season they so have. i don't know i don't know how uh it's not it's not a big sample size no so speaking of the jaguars james robinson is on injured reserve with a torn achilles a really tough story for what had been a really good story over the past two years, an undrafted free agent winning the starting job twice. The Jags are seemingly down to only Dare Agunbawali in their backfield, Denny. They do have Ryquel Armstead on their roster. He'll probably mix in a little bit. They claimed Mekhi Sargent off waivers from the Rams this week, but is it as simple as plugging in Dare Agunbawali and trusting him as a flex for the fantasy finals, or are we looking for reasons not to play Dare Agunbawali this week? I I mean, you know, as a flex, I think you could do a lot worse. He had 17 carries, 57 yards and a touchdown against the Jets last week. Um, he also saw some some decent passing game work. He had see, in pass- theory, he's a pass catcher. And so right. I was, see those 17 carries. I was like, wow, OK, that's right. really nice. Right. So he ran a route on 70 percent of Trevor Lawrence's dropbacks against the Jets. And this is, you know, James Robinson, I think, left in the late first quarter or early second quarter. So it's not like he got a full game, but 70% route rate uh, caught two or four targets for 15 yards. Uh, if we get, you know, more indication, if we hear more from the Jaguars that Dari will be the lead back coming in into this week. Um, I, 
I don't see why you you would shy away from him as a uh, touch base flex. Yeah, I mean, Reichel Armstead had some hype heading into 2020. He ended up missing the whole season with coronavirus complications. He's barely played this year. I mean, he has remained on the roster, so they must still like him, obviously, but just not a whole lot to go on with Reichel Armstead. He had a big play pedigree yeah. coming into the league, but very little indication he's going to suddenly be a part of this post-James Robinson committee. He'll probably be like the breather back, change of pace back, but – I, I think it appears Dario Gumbawale is going to be the only show in town. Yeah. Like you said, it's it's going to be a good flex setup because this team runs, and I mean they have there's no one else on the roster, right? And um and teams have have kind of shaded toward run heavy against the Patriots. Of course, the Patriots being 15 and a half point favorites here, at, uh, you know maybe annihilates any of that sort of analysis. And, well, uh, not necessarily because I think the Jags are in that situation. Or it's not like they're in comeback mode, like, well, we're going to pass 60 times now since we have people yeah. we can throw, but they, they can't pass at all. So I think it's been one of those situations where they're just going to like basically like be holding on to the boat. Like the sail has ripped off the boat. They're <laughs> having to bail water, but they're just like holding on to the side of the boat as hard as possible and just still running the ball. And just like praying they get to the other side of the Atlantic Ocean because passing's not going to be doing anything for Trevor yeah. Lawrence against this defense. So sure. I do think the Jags will run no matter what. Only two running backs rushed for more yards than Sony Michelle's 131 in Week 16, Denny. Now Daryl Henderson is on injured reserve with an MCL sprain. The Ravens are tougher on the ground than through the air, where they are the worst defense in the league through the air. But has Michelle become a no-brainer RB1, Denny? Just 20 carries every week. He's in one of the league's best offenses. He has no competition for goal line carries. Is, is he an RB? Yeah, Sony Michelle an RB one. Yeah. The crazy times we live in is Sony Michelle an RB one for the fantasy. Absolutely, practice. he is. Yes, <laughs> uh, and I know Cam Akers could be back this week. That's what beat beat reporters are are saying uh, in the lead up to this game. But you know, Cam Akers is not going to be thrust into a, a fifteen carry role here um, in a game that should see the Rams throw quite a lot. So uh, yeah, no, I mean Michelle is is locked in uh, as as an RB one. And I think that uh, the, all, all of this running back talk, by the way, you know, you're asking me J- Jeff Wilson, Rashad Penny, uh, Sonny Michelle, like, you know, the fact that these guys are, you know, RB ones are close to it, you know, tells you something about, about the apocalyptic nature of this position right now. Yeah. And it took a little longer than usual this year, but it's a fallout zone. It's oh, just yeah. real, real bad. And I mean, it's Sonny Michelle. I mean, imagine when Sonny Michelle was on the Patriots still in like May or whatever it was. And you just told yeah. someone, yeah, he's going to be an RB1 in the fantasy finals. You just, I mean, I guess you wouldn't be that surprised if you've been playing fantasy football for a while. Like, right. sure, like whatever. Yeah. This seems that does seem to happen at the end, end of seasons. Uh, you remember, um, who was that that guy who signed with the Rams uh, and went crazy? Oh, uh, uh, what's his name? He was CJ good. Anderson. Yeah, yeah, he was good. He was good for the Broncos for a while, but then he was a league. Win- he like quite literally won fantasy league. CJ Anderson <laughs> rolled off the couch and ran for like three hundred yards in two weeks. I mean, he, he he any team that added him won their championship that yeah. year. Which maybe is an indictment of our game, didn't he? <laughs> but no. or something you could take advantage of. That's true. One. I'll only ask you one start sit here with Sonny Michelle, but are you playing Sonny Michelle against the Ravens or Alvin Kamara against the Panthers? Uh, if Taysom is back, I'm, I'm playing Kamara. That's a tough one. That's a real, real tough one. I don't know where 
I'm going to end up in the ranks there. We're going to get Corey Parson in here a few minutes. Denny and I are going to hit on a few more news topics. And one of the saddest ones of the week, Miles Sanders finally had nice things for the first time in his three-year career, and the football gods were just having none of it. They broke his hand just as he was playing his best football. Now it is back to the committee drawing board for the Eagles, though Jordan Howard is currently questionable with a stinger. Denny, how should we prioritize Boston Scott, Jordan Howard, and Kenneth Gainwell for Week 17? Well, Jordan Howard suffered a stinger uh, last week, and I, I don't, uh, I, I haven't seen an update on that. It's it's worth monitoring. I think if if he plays, and it seems more than likely that that he will play this week. Honestly, I, I would prioritize Jordan Howard. They love him. I, they I I'm not saying he's you know he's good or uh, you know he's he's serviceable certainly. And and they they really seem to be intent on getting him the ball, especially near the goal line. Now I know Boston Scott ended up with the touchdown last week, but that was after the injuries, you know, ravaged the 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 backfield. So I would prioritize Jordan Howard in a game. You know, every game for the Eagles is a run heavy game. I mentioned that stat about teams pass rate while leading. Of course, Philadelphia is at the bottom of the league at thirty eight percent pass rate when they're leading. By the time you're hearing the show, you might have already heard an Eagles practice report of. Jordan Howard is practicing on Wednesday and seemingly good for Sunday. I think you do prioritize him just because Boston Scott, I think might still be the favorite for the overall touch lead, but Jordan Howard does. He has that advantage near the goal line. And in this run heavy offense, that just can't really be understated. Like there's going to be goal line. I guess Jalen Hurts though could always steal the carries, but (laughs) I, I think that's enough of a tiebreaker. If Jordan Howard is out there and practicing on Wednesday, You know, Wednesday, Thursday, he's barely practicing. Even if he returns on Friday, I might begin. I guess you can't prioritize at that point, though. Uh, But (laughs) I kind of – I think it's going to be – they're both going to be in the top 36 running back. That's what I'll say. I actually think Boston Scott's the slight favorite for the overall touch lead, and then Jordan Howard's the touchdown favorite, and that might just break the tie for him. But they're going to be really close in the flex ranks and, like, the RB, like, 28 to 36 range. So – that's we how I look at the Eagles' backfield. We have some late-breaking news on uh, the Colts. Uh, Carson Wentz was just placed on the COVID list, meaning he is out, done for the regular season, most likely, since he is not vaccinated. Uh-huh. Not, not going to say anything. Uh, so, we are. Well, what's today? It's, <laughs> it's Tuesday when we're recording the show. He'll probably be back for the finale because I think even if you're COVID positive, after 10 days, oh, you're right. allowed to come back. Right. So he'll be back for week 18, but yeah, real, uh, real strong yeah. leadership there. That is, uh, it is, it is something. It's not yeah, nothing. You know, Kurt, Kurt Cousins sweating bullets right now. Uh, <laughs> yes, he's just sweating, sweating bullets. And uh, so, yeah, who are they playing? Oh, they're playing the Raiders. Yeah, man, that's, oh man. What if, if Carson Wentz getting COVID gets the Raiders into the playoffs? That would be the most 2021. Thing uh, the Colts are not locked into the playoffs, right? They could still miss. The no, playoffs. they could still go. That's what I'm saying. So if they lose this game to the Raiders. That really damages the Colts playoff odds Holy and really God. enhances the Raiders' playoff. Oh odds. my goodness. So they have the, they have the Jaguars in week in week 18. So this weekend is basically like the Colts season because they're going to win in week 18, but mm-hmm. this is like the Colts season. This also means Jonathan Taylor is getting 35 carries. The Raiders are really soft against the run. You know, um, there there is a there was a solution to this. I can't think of it right now, but I did have it on the tip of my tongue uh, earlier. 
uh, for, for Carson Wentz's conundrum. Right, right. Yeah. We'll have to look into it after the show. We're having people. There, we're there having was, people work on it. What he there was one. Done. There was one solution. What he could have possibly done, but. Kyle Pitts and Amonra St. Brown are the rookie stories of week 16 are becoming the rookie stories of the season behind only Mr. Jamar Chase and maybe Mac Jones. St. Brown became the first and only the second rookie wide receiver since Odell Beckham in 2014 to catch eight plus passes in four straight games. And Kyle Pitts on the other side of the ball, who was playing the lions broke Jeremy Shockey's 21st century rookie record for tight end yardage with his 102-yard day against the Lions. He's going to probably go past 1,000 yards this weekend. There's not really a question here, Denny, Mm -hmm. uh, actually. Uh, (laughs) But I I guess I I was going to ask, who would you rather start this week? We're starting both of them. I I don't even – I just basically wanted to talk about how Kyle Pitts and Amon Ross St. Brown are good. Yeah. So let let me me just uh, try to give the listener an idea of how uh, dominant St. Brown has been uh, in – in the Lions passing attack, which was, of course, headed by Tim Boyle last week. Uh, So over the past four games, St. Brown has been targeted on 38% of his routes. That's tied with Justin Jefferson over those four weeks. Uh, Only Cooper Cup, Chris Godwin, and George Kittle have a higher target per route rate. I'm sorry, target per route run rate uh, over that stretch. Uh, St. Brown is sixth in wide receiver expected fantasy points over those four games. It's it's I mean, it, it all points to him being like an elite PPR option. Yeah. And it's just this doesn't happen very. So over the summer, so he's a fourth round rookie. And occasionally you have like a day or two, three pick that comes into a situation like the Lions had this year. where We just didn't know where they were going to send targets. So we we're speculating, you know, even over the summer, like Amonra St. Brown could just like default into a lot of targets. But. Almost any time that's a storyline, it just doesn't happen because a lot of times the player is just too raw. They're not ready. But Amon Ross St. Brown has been ready. He's been catching four to five passes every game for two or three months now. And now he's found this extra gear the past month. And it's just, I don't know if people, they probably do, I guess. But I was say, I don't know if people appreciate just how rare this really is for a right. day two rookie to become his team's number one weapon. The team, like the only thing opposing defenses really need to game plan for at the moment with TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift out. It's just really rare. It's really rare for a day two day or day two or three rookie to immediately live up to like the top end of their pre-draft billing. So just about as positive of a rookie season as it could have possibly been for Monra. And as someone who looks like they might be a fantasy consideration for like years to come at this point. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, just getting over to Pitts real quick. So I know he had a really nice week 16. I'm not, you know, no one can take that away from him. I'm not, and I'm not trying, oh, but, but, you're, but you're going to, but here's the thing. Uh, he's, he's only being targeted on 21% of his routes over the past month. That's in line with guys like Zach Hertz and Jared cook. Um, he, he does lead the Falcons with seven targets inside the 10 yard line. He's caught three of those for, for one touchdown, but you know who else has seven targets inside the 10? Oh uh, Cameron Cameron Bright uh, has yeah. seven targets and stuff. It's Tim Patrick has that many, uh, and Robert Woods, who hasn't played since 2018, has seven brown seven <laughs> targets wow. inside the ten. Wow. So it's it's uh, his usage, uh, Pitts's usage in the in the scoring zone. Some would say is very uh, very hard to understand. Well, that's because he's playing with a quarterback who is famous for whatever reason. Uh, forgetting his number one weapon exists in the red zone. Yeah. Right. 
Matt Ryan, who made a way of sent Matt Ryan sent his kids to college on the back of not targeting Julio Jones in the red zone. Right. Um, right. So. It's, it, it, it's, it's uh history repeating itself. And I, and I hate it really, really weird, weird stuff. All right. We will be right back after this with NBC sports edges, Corey Parson. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. We are headed down the backstretch of the NFL season, and the NBC Sports Predictor app, powered by PointsBet, has you covered with Sunday Night 7. We are giving you a shot to win $1 million every Sunday night throughout the rest of the regular season. It is free and easy to play. Predictable will happen between the Vikings and Packers this Sunday for a chance to win. Download today from your app store or visit NBCSports.com slash predictor. Give the gift of NBC Sports Edge Plus this holiday season. Get 15% off annual subscriptions when you use the promo code HOLIDAY15 and checkout at checkout. This offer turns to coal on December 31st. So visit NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus today. And remember, all of our premium tools for fantasy, DFS, and betting are included in one low Edge Plus subscription. We now welcome in NBC Sports Edge's senior betting content creator, Corey Parson. You can catch him every week on Bet the Edge and all over NBCSportsEdge.com. Corey, it seems like basically every day you've got something on the site. Uh, how are you doing this fine Tuesday or whatever day you happen to be listening to this podcast in your car? Yes, it is Tuesday. I am chilling in the Washington, D.C. area, uh, getting ready for um, the upcoming week of the college bowl games get real big this week, especially in the betting space. And obviously week 17 of the NFL season. Before we get to that, a couple of things I want to touch on from listening to the last segment. Do you guys remember Michael Bush making a push? And that's what <laughs> Tay went down one year and winning fantasy managers their championship. I've been around this fantasy space for a long time and have seen some crazy things. We have yet to see the massive go-off playoff game like Alvin Kamara last year. We haven't really had that yet in this year's fantasy playoffs. Imagine it coming in week uh, 17 now. Whatever week this is. Yeah, whatever whatever week the championship <laughs> is nowadays. Yeah, the Alvin Kamara Christmas Day four touchdown explosion last year. Or was it six touchdowns? Six. It was six. six. That's right. And you, you want to talk about – that's like unsurvivable. Like, yeah. that's yeah. like if you yeah. face that, it doesn't really matter. Like you are not surviving the plane crash if you face the six <laughs> touchdown Alvin Kamara points. There were just no survivors from that. And yeah, we haven't gotten anything like that. You're right so far, Corey, these past two weeks. It, w- it was not anywhere near this level, but watching the Dolphins 
Saints on Monday night. I was thinking of all the poor souls who every single time the Dolphins got another sack of Ian Book. I'm like, this is definitely flipping fantasy yeah. matchups. Yeah. Like Ian Book just getting speared and broken in half. Like there's no way this isn't costing people their fantasy championships. Yeah. I, I imagine I imagine people playing against Miami's defense last night. Uh, turned on the game and said, all right, come on, Ian Book. And two passes in, they turned the TV <laughs> off because it was the pick for the touchdown, and that was that was it. No, I knew that Ian Book wasn't going to go well. Yeah, because yeah. the guy, when I watched Notre Dame, Denny's never watched a college football game, but yeah. when I watched Notre Dame, I was like, <laughs> really? uh, it didn't really strike me as a future pro. Ian no, Book. no. And uh, Most Notre Dame quarterbacks don't. Then you and you you don't you don't like college football. You prefer the pros, or what's the deal with He's that? He's I I I just I've never been able to get into college football. I have I have dabbled this year in college DFS, so I've I've tried to give myself a reason to watch. Okay. And sometimes it is it is okay. My my biggest mistake was playing was playing college DFS in the Army Navy game. <laughs> no, no, that's not the one. That's, you. <laughs> that's not that's not that's not the one you want to get. Yeah, that is not. That's definitely not the, the. You should not be your gateway yeah. drug to yeah, college was, DFS. It was probably the uh, bottoming out of in my life watching watching that game and track, tracking it in DFS. Yeah, Denny. Yeah, seek help, Denny. Please. Yeah. I mean, we're all here for you. Thank you. I mean, I know we joke about firing <laughs> you, but we, we we're worried about you, and uh, we want you to get some help. Uh, Corey, I guess we'll get into some betting questions since you're the betting man and Denny and I are not. Uh, I mean, we, we try, but we are not. And this is the craziest year ever. We're talking about like how it hasn't been crazy in fantasy the past two weeks, but who is the MVP favorite? Where I, I feel like this is like the year I can't ever remember like seesawing more. Who do you think actually is the MVP favorite right now? Who should Denny and I be after we get off the show be placing bets on? Yeah, I, this is I've been covering this, you know, basically since week one. There's been a lot of ups and downs in this market throughout the course of the season, but maybe about a month or six weeks ago, I think we had noticed that this was going to be Tom Brady's year to win the, the most valuable player award. Aaron Rodgers was creeping around that time. He's obviously come up and taken a lead as as of last week and still sits up with that lead now. But my bet is still going to be on Tom Brady. I believe Aaron Rodgers, although he's had a great season. This is voted on, you know, by the media. And I think Aaron Rodgers has a PR problem this year. So I'm thinking that's going to work against him. So I like Tom Brady to win the MVP this year. Jonathan Taylor is making a very impressive late push, but this award is, doesn't really go to running backs unless you're like a 2,000-yard carrier. And we didn't even see that last season with Derrick Henry. So I think Jonathan Taylor will fall short. Good year. Maybe the offensive player of the year. I could also put Cooper Cup and even Cordero Patterson who's been excellent in that mix. But um, I think I think Tom Brady's the MVP. I think, by the way, you mentioned John Taylor probably not really having a chance. And I think Denny and I would definitely agree, like a running back should probably never win the MVP. But Jonathan Taylor, say like if Brady and Rodgers finish the season kind of quiet, Taylor's been handed like a narrative gift now. And this Carson Wentz missing week 17. And like if Jonathan Taylor like single-handedly wins the game for the Colts this weekend, goes like 220 yards against the Raiders – I think you might start seeing that like pushed a lot more strongly. Like this, we got it. This is given to Jonathan Taylor. None of the quarterbacks really earned it this year. And the John Taylor will have some real narrative juice. Yeah. If he has a massive game against the Raiders this weekend. Yeah, no, it's, and, and he could because that, that Raiders uh, defense is very soft against the run. I, I, you know, it would, it would take a lot. It would take a uh, down weeks from Brady and Rogers, which, you know, is, is that's a long shot. And it would take a, a two, a two week explosion from, from Taylor at, to, to even make it close. But I, I you know, I don't think it's impossible. 
He's got the Raiders and the Jags, so he can maybe if Derrick Henry closed with like 400 yards in his final two games last year. If John Taylor does something similar, he might actually. And mix by the way, Corey, I think I might lean Rodgers. By the way, you are right about the the PR problem, but the media also loves being like contrarians and like we're not biased. We're still voting for Aaron Rodgers, folks, because uh, he's and he's got he closes with the Vikings, who he just like burns down the house every single time yeah. he plays the Vikings. And then the Detroit Lions in week 18. So he might go out in a blaze of glory. But then Brady, too, though, he's he, he can get a big narrative boost exactly. by, by overcoming his supporting cast limitations these final two weeks. So it is the neck and neck between Rodgers and Brady. Is there anyone, by the way, who you think can make like a dark horse run at the MVP these final two weeks beyond those three? Like, say, like a, a Patrick Mahomes maybe getting in the mix or a Josh Allen maybe getting in the mix or are there no dark horses at this point? Is it basically Brady and Rogers? I think throughout the course of the season, I was keeping an eye on Lamar Jackson because what he was able to do with that hobbled Raven squad was impressive, but now he's hobbled and that Baltimore team is struggling. But obviously if Baltimore struggling, somebody had to step up and Joe Burrow has stepped up. If Joe Burrow can beat Kansas city, put up a strong finish, maybe he can get an outside shot. Mahomes came into the year as the leader in the clubhouse, along with Josh Allen and Matthew Stafford. Uh, Mahomes at one point this year had dropped all the way to 50 to one, which at that point you got to take a shot at it. But, you know, coming back down the stretch, I still like, you know, the Rodgers and, and Brady combo. I got a couple of um, wages on both, particularly more so with Brady. But Burrow could be that dark horse, horse you speak of, particularly the Bengals win the AFC North, which, pretty, which looks pretty good right now. And if he, if he can help them knock off the Chiefs this upcoming weekend, That'd be a good look for him as well. Can I or should I put a dark horse bet on Rex Burkhead? <laughs> no, no, no. no. Uh, you can you can bet for Rex Burkhead to tear his hamstring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, consider it done. <laughs> Corey, I think someone could get a, a narrative bump yeah, out of this Chiefs Bengals game this weekend. Say Mahomes is like a four or five touchdown game. Maybe he could actually get back in the mix. Or yeah, or if Burrow is like the guy to finally stop this Chiefs winning streak. He has like another 300, 400-yard day. Maybe he would make a late push. And, yeah, this could be a really interesting game uh, in that respect. Uh, something I feel like we've been talking about debating as much as the MVP race this year has been the Offensive Rookie of the Year race. It's kind of like seesawing between Jamar Chase and Mac Jones. Corey, what is your take on who is the favorite there right now? And is there anyone outside these top two making a move? I'm I'm a I'm a big Mac Jones supporter. I've been a Mac Jones guy since draft. You know, people were saying they don't see how Mac Jones could be the third pick of the draft. I was like, oh, all right, well, you'll see when the season starts. And nothing so far that has played out. For everybody that loves Trey Lance, you'll get to see him this week. And I guarantee you it's not going to go that well. On um, with that being said, I'm all over Mac Jones for the most part. Now, Jamar Chase was very impressive throughout the middle course of the season. I'm still going to stick with the quarterback and Mac Jones on this one. I wish though we lived in the NFL with Davis Mills would be a serious candidate. Because <laughs> I've been I, thinking about it. I've been yeah, thinking about think it. What he's done this year has been very impressive. Now, next year when Tua is in Houston, they shouldn't just give him that job. Like Davis <laughs> Mills should get a chance to compete because I wouldn't be surprised if he beat out Tua because nobody throws the football to the flat like Tua. <laughs> Tua, yeah, Tua is a very triggering quarterback to watch for a lot of people. I've noticed. Um, and there's somebody on Twitter who basically like he's the worst quarterback they've ever seen. Despite uh, that not being the case, but I can understand why he's not an enjoyable watch for a lot. No, of people. He, no, he dominates he, oh, the flat. 
He's horrible to watch. He's horrible to watch. Also, uh, quarterback evaluation has to has to be evaluated in itself after a rookie season in which Davis Mills looks worlds better than Trevor Lawrence. Yes, and like Davis Mills, by the way, so he's been taking advantage of like a soft schedule recently, but he had big days against the Rams and the Patriots. So like he he's just a guy. It would have been interesting in hindsight to see him start all seventeen games and see how that went because. Yeah, he's put more on film this year than basically every rookie quarterback not named Mac Jones. Justin Fields had finally started to put some good things on film the past few weeks, but I mean, Davis Mills is not even a competition when it comes to him and Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. Like, Davis Mills has easily yep. looked to the best. Is there any way could Jalen Waddell or Kyle Pitts maybe like break some records or something these final two weeks? Could they make a move? On O'Roy or not really? I just look at it as, as just like the MVP. It's it's a quarterback award, and I think that we've seen the quarterback stand out. I mean, even when when Zeke had his big year, Dak Prescott won it. You know, so we we tend to see the 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 uh, this award goes to quarterbacks a lot. Um, but those guys all good seasons. I think Chase because of the flashiness of the position, and you know what I'm saying, him catching passes from Burrow and what he's been able to do, and you know these LSU wide receivers, we've seen them come out. And dominate, and just chases a dude that didn't play football last year. So imagine, you know how much how much more room it is to grow with him. I tell you what, those Bengals they have done very well in the draft the past couple of years. But I still look at it as as Matt, you know, just that the Mac Jones thing coming in for Tom Brady. Is Mac Jones a bust for me? It does. Mac has like he's propped the door open a bit, but I think they have a soft. Well, they have the Dolphins in Week 17, and I believe they have the Jaguars this week, right, Denny? Weren't we just talking about that they, earlier in the show? Uh, they do. I they remember. Do. I remember things. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Matt could probably salt it away against the Jaguars this yeah. weekend. And Corey's right. It's a quarterback award, and most of the media had already made up their mind that it was Mac. Yep. So, so it is hard to see some yeah. overtaking he, Mac. He would have to completely tank in the last two weeks for it to even be a question. Well, he's he's already started. I mean, it's, it's getting, it's getting <laughs> the ball is rolling. You know, he did not look. Listen, he didn't look that good this week against Buffalo. But I'll be honest with you, you like after that game where they on they threw the ball like one time, the, the Bills were so aggravated with the questions. I knew Buffalo was going to take the next game personally. You know what I'm saying? Like I knew they was going to come to Foxborough and be like, you know what? I'm tired of this. Bill Belichick is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And they did exactly that. And, and, and they won that game. But I think Buffalo slides this week. And I think the Patriots bounce back. Yeah, they did take it personally. <laughs> that yeah. was a very I mean, personal performance. The other team just run the football. Like, that's kind of disrespectful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, to, speaking to the fact that they took it personally, I mean, Stefan Diggs went to the crowd and And the mics, the mics caught everything he said, yeah. which was. So oof. I think they were quite literally taking it personally, <laughs> as they should have. Uh, Corey, is there an early week 17 line that has caught your eyes? Either too generous, not generous enough. I've seen some crazy. I saw the Saints getting six and a half points on the Panthers. That seems interesting. Uh, what has caught your eye so far this week? Yeah, I, I can't. I can't really fool with this. If anything, the um the Panthers have played better on the road, but they they just Panthers is just it's off this year. And the Cam New, I'm not. I'm not, I can't put money behind Cam Newton. That offense doesn't move with Cam Newton. Um, the big one, this, the Bengals and the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs go in there and rough them up pretty good. The Chiefs coming in on, on that eight-game winning streak. The Chiefs are playing excellent on defense. I think the Bengals could be a little bit ahead of themselves right now, feeling real good 
reading some of their own press clippers, not to mention the fact the Bengals have not been that good at home uh, so far this season. They got they, that win over their three and five ATS, the Bengals are against the Spirit at home. I think it came, those wins came against like Josh Johnson, um, maybe <laughs> Trevor Lawrence, and and like and, and Kirk Cousins in week one. So it's like those are not really impressive ATS wins at home. So I think, you know, Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid going there and do a number on the Bengals and kind of bring them back to life. I look at that this week. Another thing, another one this week that interests me, the Buffalo Bills. I think they slide this week. I think Atlanta still has a shot. Atlanta's five and three ATS on the road this year. I think they go into Buffalo and play them close. I would even sprinkle a little something on the money line. They could upset them. Uh, I think Buffalo really had, you know, one of their big games of the year this week. It was one more, too, that I just wrote about this morning, and I can't remember. Oh, the Dolphins and the Titans. I don't see how the Dolphins are only uh, a three-and-a-half-point underdog against Tennessee. Um, This, you know, it's a nice winning streak. You know, but they haven't beat anybody. You know what I'm saying? So they beat beat the Ravens, but that was like a monsoon and the field was all messed up. But other than that, I think Tennessee uh, handles Miami Miami pretty easily this week and should end their season. I see that the Seahawks are touchdown favorites at home against the Lions. Does that still feel right? Seahawks shouldn't be a touchdown favorite over anybody. That's kind of how I was feeling. (laughs) Man, that thing really turned ugly real fast this year. Like, I didn't realize how bad they were until I was looking at the standings in the NFC, and they were like 15, like (laughs) 16. You know what I'm saying? I was like, wow, they stink. So maybe Russell Wilson is going to be somewhere else next year. People seem to speculate the Giants. He's not going to be the giant quarterback. The Giants will go with somebody crazy. <laughs> <laughs> they will. I mean, it might still be the Broncos. Yeah, what I wrote about the Seahawks in my column this week was they seem to be trying to answer the question, how many different times can an era end? Yeah. Because, like, basically every week they have, like, what feels like an era-ending loss. It, and they somehow have an even worse era-ending loss. And, and this has been going on for two years? Yeah, yeah it's true. For, for, for it two straight seasons, on. it's been end of an era, end of an era, yeah. over and over and over. By the way, the Lions are the better are the better team straight up. They're just yeah, better. I think they the might be. Dan Campbell has he is just tearing kneecaps off. He is. Dan Campbell's calling plays. He says he's going to be the offensive coordinator for, for the rest of the season, which is just a, a total humiliation of Anthony Anthony yeah. Lynn. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, but that that offense is clicking. I mean, they they were clicking with Tim Boyle last week. Yeah, Dan Campbell's in the zone with his 120 ounces of caffeine. By the way, we never determined how much caffeine he actually drinks, did we, Denny? We forgot to look into that. Oh, somebody uh, tweeted it to us. It's it's a tremendous amount. <laughs> it's a lot. It's more than a normal amount of caffeine, is all we can say. Corey, the final question we have for you, what are the most tempting Super Bowl odds for you right now? Because I mean, we've talked about kind of ad nauseum. There's just no clear favorite this year. Whose odds tempt you the most? If I'm going to, I, I have, it's foolishly of me, and then being a fan, I have a wager on the Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> I have a wager on the Rams, I have a wager on um what AFC team, some AFC team I have a wager on. Um, the Colts? Gonna, People have been really propped like the Colts like, is a dark you know, horse. Because Carson Wentz is going to have to make a play at some point, and that scares me. Um, I Listen, 50 to 1 right now, the Baltimore Ravens, 50 to 1. Yeah, Why not? That, that is interesting. I, I like that. 
Yeah, yeah. right now. People forgot about the Ravens. They get in the playoffs. Yeah, they got to go on, but we've seen it done before. Lamar mm-hmm. gets healthy. I feel confident they can beat Buffalo. They can beat New England. They can beat Kansas City. So if they get in, they can make some noise. So right now, the juiciest odds to me are the Ravens at 50 to 1. And and uh they they have the offensive personnel with a healthy Lamar uh to keep up with anybody. I, their, their defense is going to be crushed That's by hard. whoever they play in the, in the <laughs> yeah. playoffs. Yeah. But but with, with Andrews, with Bateman coming on, with Marquise Brown, obviously if Lamar can get over the ankle thing, yeah, no, I, I I'm into that. Yeah, they're the classic Lamar, Lamar thing is the ankle thing. I think it's a foot thing. Oh uh it's been reported as an ankle. Have you heard anything about a foot? I don't know. I think it could be a list rank. Oh, no, that would just, be maybe a source said that. You okay. know what I'm saying? That <laughs> <laughs> right. would explain a lot because yeah, this has been lingering. You've been playing poorly even before finally sitting. So that would be interesting. But you may like the Ravens are the classic. If they can just get into the tournament type yep. of team, because their their pass defense is so bad, but you know, a lot of times in January, weather can be like the great equalizer. And, you know, they get a game where it's like 20 degrees, you know, like 18 mile an hour wins. Having a terrible pass defense might not matter nearly as much. And, yeah, they would be like the classic cliche team like no one wants to play if they can actually get in the playoffs. So I actually like that a lot. Um, right, any closing thoughts, Corey? Anything you need to promote? Any any bets you want to throw out there? Uh, how, how are we feeling today? No, just coming up on on on, for, on uh, to, to close the week out, you know, um, coming up to close the week out if you're – if you are checking this out, you know, on the rebroadcast on Friday, New Year's Eve, I believe it's Friday. So I'm not really a big New Year's Eve guy no more. Um, on Friday on New Year's Eve, we have an NBC Sports bet or Twitter spaces to preview the college playoffs. I'll be hosting that. We'll get our college football analysts in there and we'll help everybody win some games on the bowl season. And then after that, the bowl season, we go right into like the NFL playoffs. And then that's fun, too. So we got you covered on that stuff as well. Help you win a couple. Y'all dudes done a great job this year with the fantasy stuff. I didn't get as far as I like this year. You know what I'm saying? But I promise to bounce back next year. <laughs> Denny and I are used to that. Corey, me neither. <laughs> me neither, actually. So. You go. <laughs> Corey, real quick, who who is going to win uh, the Georgia-Michigan game? Who's going to win the Georgia-Michigan Georgia game? Georgia wins the game and Michigan keeps it close. That's, I, th- I like that. I, for some reason, I'm rooting for Michigan. I have no idea why. I've never rooted for Michigan in my life. Well, it'd be on I'm, TV. Yeah, I'm rooting for <laughs> Michigan this week. But, Corey, thank you so much for joining us. Check them out on Bet the Edge every week. Check them out at NBCSportsEdge.com every day, essentially, like we said. Check them out on Twitter Spaces this Friday. For Denny, for Corey, I'm Pat. Thank you so much for joining us, Corey. Thank you so much for joining us, listeners. And we'll be back with part one of our Week 17 preview show on Wednesday. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.